You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. I'm here. Tommy's here. Aaron's here. we got a lot to get to. Tommy was at the Nats game the other night. They are going to the World Series. We've got a lot of Redskins to talk about today. There were some interesting uh, pieces of news, uh, including some Trent Williams news yesterday that we'll get to. Also, some Alex Smith uh, angles to pursue here on the show today. And, by the way, congratulations to Bradley Beal who just signed this morning a two-year, $72 million contract extension with the Wizards. Um, this is a big deal in the NBA, Tommy, because I think a lot of teams were targeting Beal as a trade target to try to you know, create a championship team here this year or next. And the Wizards, Ted and Tommy Shepard, locked up Bradley Beal. So, I mean, it's this, I don't know what to make of this. I think it's I think it's a big thing for the franchise know it's to have a big gotten Beal to commit to them for you know a two year contract extension max money yes you know and by the way it sets up for uh, Wojnarowski was writing this morning it sets up for him that in after the 2023 season and the 2022 2023 season is actually a player option season for him but if he takes that option that he would then be in position in 2023 after the season to sign the most lucrative deal in NBA history. At Bradley Beal. Yeah, Bradley Beal would be uh, he could sign a $266 million 5-year deal. So his point. contract right now is basically the clock you can hold the Wizards to for progress. By the time his his contract is up, the Wizards should be ready to compete seriously for an NBA championship. Well, I don't think you sign him to this extension if you don't have a lot of confidence that you're heading in the right direction yes. here. Yeah. So that's basically that's the clock. Yeah. I mean, that's the measurement. Bradley Beal's contract. If you're looking for progress, it has to coincide with Bradley Beal's contract so that when it is in the final year, this team is a 50-win team and ready to compete. Boy, I love the way you put it out there so aggressively, 50 wins and ready to compete. But the bottom line is you don't sign Bradley Beal and forego the opportunity to probably get back a huge amount of future possibilities for a player who, to me, is a good player, a very good scorer in the NBA, but not an elite player. He's not your number one on a championship contending team, no. in my view. So to your point, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, you're doing this hopefully not just to say, hey, we're we're really we love Bradley Beal. We take care of our own, and Bradley wants to be here yeah. too. Yeah. You know, hopefully you believe that, you know, with Rui Hachimura and with Troy Brown Jr., who they picked last year, and some other young guys, and maybe adding a piece here that in the next couple of years you can you can contend. Yeah, because if you didn't you you Why should be you trading them, of course. So th- th- this is it. This is the clock. It's ticking. That's right. Um, so there you go. That's our wizards talk for the day. <laughs> How good was it to be there the other night? It was fabulous. It, it was fabulous. And you know, I know you have Mark Zuckerman on on your show. Yes, uh, from Masson. Uh, and we looked at each other a couple of times last night because we've both been there since two thousand five. Yeah. I mean, he was the beat writer on the Times. I was the, the columnist covering. The, the team uh, when, when they first moved to D.C. And we both looked at each other a couple of times like, I can't believe this is happening. 
Like this is a moment we 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 thought might never happen in our lifetimes, at least our news our our reporting lifetimes. Uh, so it it was pretty special. Again, uh, I'm I'm not a fan, but I am. Look, I wrote about getting baseball in this town for ten years before it happened. I always said that uh, I covered a team that didn't exist for ten years here, and I wrote it aggressively. And nobody wrote about baseball coming to Washington better than we did at the Times. Uh, so I, I am emotionally invested in baseball in Washington, m- more so than the Nationals. I'm just invested in that. So to see this happen, to see, to see the, you know, basically the, the, the highest you can go in baseball, making it to the World Series, is, is very satisfying. It really is. It's, it's, it's one of the few times... Uh, I'm covering sports in Washington. Well, actually, as a fan, you can say it too. One of the few times as a fan in Washington when you're rooting for sports where you feel good. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about you actually the other night. And actually, when you texted me to ask me if I was at the game, which I wasn't, we were just talking about you at that moment. Uh Because my wife asked me, um, she said, is Tom a, a Nats fan? And I said, no, he's not a Nats fan. He's been in this market since the early 90s covering these teams. And I think when you cover teams as long as you've covered a team, you know, you end up, you know, rooting for that team. You want it to be. It's better for you yes. if they're really good. Yes, and we've always said that. Yes. It's, it's better It's better financially all the way around. But I did um, think of one thing, um, and that is you've been over the years at times very critical of the learners and of ownership at yes. various points in time. Yes. Are you surprised that they got here? No, because I have total faith in Mike Rizzo. Right. Mike Rizzo is, 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 the, is the dam. Okay, he's the Hoover Dam. Okay, there's a lot of muddy water on the other side of that dam. With dead fish? Yes, and he keeps it away. He keeps it out of the pool, basically. So, I I, I mean, as long as I had faith in Mike Rizzo and I have ultimate faith in his ability, it doesn't mean he hasn't made mistakes. Uh, I mean, look at the bullpen this year in terms of uh, roster construction with mistakes. But uh, I know uh, how dysfunctional the learners can be, and everybody in baseball knows it. I mean, the, the word on, on, in, on the Nationals is the hardest thing you have to do as general manager is manage up, not down. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Well, you know, I think there are a lot of people in town that would tell you that the learners aren't the easiest people yes. to work with yeah. in business. Yeah. Now, they've, they have, they've invested. They have, like, the... The, I think the sixth highest payroll in baseball. Yep. They, they've stepped up and, and spent money on, on some players, not on others. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, in terms of measurements in, in this town, uh, you know, they're going to get a lot of credit, and rightly so, because, I mean, if, if they accomplish this goal, remember, you know, I, I, I'm going to write about this probably for tomorrow. The day that Dave Martinez was hired, we all kind of rolled our eyes. I know because he. Well, Bud he, Black was really the target, right? Yeah, but but no, that was that was back uh, with Dusty. I'm sorry, that was with yeah. Dusty. But but the Dave well, Martinez. Who, who, who were the other options with Dave? There Martinez? were no any options really at that point. I mean, by the time they fired D- Dusty, yeah, uh, everybody had been hired. Right. You know, they were late to the game because of the learners. And you didn't want him to hire uh, fire Dusty. Well, no, I didn't. Yeah. And the, Mike Grizzle didn't want to yeah. get rid of Dusty, but they hired Davey, and he stood up there at the press conference and said what the learners wanted to hear. 
He said, you know, our goal is to win a World Series. That's how he wants to said it five times. Like he almost, I mean, and, and it, it seemed ridiculous at the time. And this is a manager who had never won anything. And he's standing up there telling you that, there, you know, that, that nothing, nothing but a World Series matters. Right. And after what this town had been through, it, it just seemed like whistling past the graveyard. But uh, they accomplished it. They got to the World Series. They did get to the World Series. And, yeah, I mean, I, by the way, just in, you know, managing up um, is, a, is an interesting way. And I've heard that described in business before, you know, with ownership or with a board of directors. You yeah. know, we got some people on that board. We got to manage up. Yes. That's, that's taken up far too much of the CEO's time, you know, is handling investors or board of directors. But I just wonder, do you think the, the Redskins will ever find somebody that can manage up and down simultaneously? Because that's the challenge. You know, it, it would if, if, if Bruce Allen was Mike Rizzo, it'd be Bruce Allen. Because Bruce Allen checks the boxes of he has the owner's ear. He has the owner's trust. He has the owner's influence. So in other words, uh, if you get a guy in there that's – the, that's like Bruce Allen, but with brains and talent. Yeah, and he can, and he's got the owner, uh, you know, by his side as his but as his best buddy. That can happen. Yeah, he just hasn't managed up consistently. You know, witnessed the draft last year or RG three with the Shanahan's. Oh. I mean, Bruce. Bruce, he hasn't managed up, down, left, or right. Well, I understand that, but you're you're talking in terms of his relationship with the owner as if he's got the managing up piece. Yes, fixed. he does. If he just had brains and yeah. football acumen, he might be the perfect guy. Yes. But he really—he's so can be done. He's been inconsistent on the managing up. It could be done. The There's first only so guy, much you can do with guy, somebody that impulsive. The first guy was the village idiot. The second guy is is the village bad guy. You know. Yeah. So basically, you need to get the village hero in there. <laughs> yeah, somehow. Um, so who do they match up better with, in your view, New York or Houston? Probably New York. I mean, why? Because of the Houston starting pitching yeah, situation. Yeah, I mean they can go head to head with them. Uh, it, you know, the Astros can uh, with uh, Granke and Cole and and Verlander. Uh, so I mean, I just think the Yankees have had a more difficult time getting to where they're, they're they are than the Astros. And that that you know, sometimes people look. Nobody had a harder time than than the Nats up until they swept the Cardinals, and uh, it served them well you know, being tested like that. So that may not necessarily be the case. But listen, I'm rooting for the Astros to, to, to play them because, like I said before, I don't want to go to New York. I want to go to Houston. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd rather know? go to New York if it were me. Um, but I know you want Houston. Um, the What do you make of the layoff and this statistic that you've probably seen that the last eight teams to sweep a championship series are one in seven in the World Series, and I was listening to Curtis Granderson the other night on TBS on the post-game show with Pedro and that whole group, and he said, look, this is a real challenge, especially for the offensive players, which, by the way, Ray Knight mentioned to me yesterday, Dan O'Dowd, a few other people that I had on the show said, the real challenge is not the pitching. The pitchers need the rest. They'll be fine, but offensively, it is tough after six days to get it going and get that momentum back. Not that they were killing it offensively anyway, although really in the last two games they did, in games yes, they three did. and four. Eight, eight and seven. Yeah. So, scored, so so the last eight teams, just one and seven in the World Series when they've had a significant layoff after a sweep. 
Yeah, but it, it outweighs the rest that this team needs. Like he said, for pitching, it's a good thing. And for pitching on this team, it's a great thing. And it's a, it's an old, it's the oldest team in baseball. I know. I saw that. Right. So, in fact, the oldest teams in baseball, all of them were in the postseason yeah. and advanced in the postseason. Yeah. So so I think that the benefits outweigh the outweigh the, the, the things that go against you in this case. He's right. Offensively, it will be a challenge to get back started again. Uh, but in a way it's like, it's like a guy coming off the DL and starting to hit. Some guys do that. You, you never know for sure, uh, how, the, how they're going to react, but, uh, the bullpen, you know, the, the, the limited bullpen that they've used needs the rest. The starters could use the rest. Uh, so I think overall it benefits the Nats to have the long layoff. Do you have any problem with Kendrick winning the MVP? No, no, I, I, I absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that who he, votes on that. Uh, that's interesting because we didn't vote. I don't know who votes on it. Yeah, I was wondering if you, we didn't you vote had on vote. it in the press box. Maybe maybe selected writers do. They might pick out selected writers to vote. Uh, the Baseball Writers Association might pick. So, so I don't think it's just like everyone in the press box. There might be a handful of selected writers, I, but I don't really know. Would you have voted for Kendrick? Yeah, I would have. I would have. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to come up with anybody else. I mean, yeah. Rendon was five for twelve. Yeah, he was five for fifteen. You had. Two un- three unbelievable starting you know uh, performances yes. by starting pitchers, and even Corbin striking out yeah, 12, twelve and five guys. innings yeah. um, was pretty damn uh, impressive as well. How do you think Dave Martinez will set his pitching rotation for the series? Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Sanchez. Scherzer, Strasburg, um, Corbin, Corbin. If, if you yeah, need it. if it goes like you that, don't think he'll, be, how much consideration will he give to starting Strasburg in Game One? Uh, it'll be up for discussion, but, uh, look, I mean, if, if people haven't realized it by now, Scherzer has to be the, has to be a starter. This is what you've been saying. Yes. And, and I, I, Even I, though I, it turned, it really was a mistake in game one. Ultimately he got lucky that he, it, if not for well, a broken a mis- bat, bloop, single, a, a hit batter and an error by the right fielder, we would have been talking about Strasburg should have started the, the wild card game for all off season. But you don't know how Strasburg would have started in game one. Well, we know how he came in in relief and but, we know but, how but, he started since. But you don't know how he would start in a game one. So you can't call it a mistake. Well, we don't know, but we right. can project. And right. it was well, a, de- it, it was a reasonable debate well, you going need in. to put your projector away. No, you don't. That's what okay. we do here. And, okay. you know, that's what we do that's here. That's what you do on, here. On podcasts and on sports talk radio and in columns in newspapers you can barely read online. That's what that's you what do. You do a lot do of here. speculating. I was um, just speculating a hypothesis. Uh, can I just mention one thing that um, Ray Knight, I think, mentioned to me yesterday? And I, t- I told Aaron this. I think it was Ray Knight. I'm still not sure. It may have been this guy, Dan O'Dowd. You know who Dan O'Dowd is? Yeah, former GM yeah, with Colorado. Colorado. He said he wouldn't be surprised if Martinez started Sanchez in Game 3, Corbin in Game 4, so he could use Corbin out of the bullpen if needed in Game 1 or Game 2. Now, you don't have to name your Game 3 starter. If he doesn't need Corbin in the first two games, then Corbin starts Game 3. But that he will go in with the intention of if he needs to use Corbin as a reliever in game one or game two, he will, which would mean Sanchez would get game three. That's that's a, that's an interesting uh, hypothesis. Uh, it's not that far-fetched. No, because, not. I mean, you have to have... Because he's already done it. You have to have ultimate confidence in Sanchez now based on what you've seen. Definitely. You know, so it's not... It's, you know, you're not worried about putting Sanchez in there as a game three starter 
And right now they don't have a, a, a lefty other that, that they can go to uh, other than uh, other than Doolittle right. in a bullpen. Although Elias was back and activated for the I haven't uh, seen him yet. No, we haven't seen him yet. And do you want to put? Do you really want to put him out outing? there? Right. So I mean, as as another lefty out of the bullpen, that that on some levels that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, are you being considered, given your 10 years being the leader in the market of getting baseball back here and the 10 years you spent, 14 years covering the team, are you being considered at all for the first pitch in Game 3 in the first World Series game back why is, here? Why does everyone think this is a big deal? This is some kind of big deal. I, by the way, I, Who cares? I didn't know. Who's considering it to be a big deal? Well, I see it on social media. Oh, I, mean, I haven't. I was just thinking about it this morning because I had Maury Povich on the radio show. Oh, okay. He was great, by the way. Yeah. And um, and I didn't say it to him, but when I hung up with him, I said to Greg, you know what? I, Maury Povich would be a guy that you might want to consider throwing out the first pitch because of his father. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. That, 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 I didn't know that this was a big deal. Yeah, think, I just I mean, was sitting here as you were saying that. I was thinking, yeah, Lavero, yeah. here he comes. Yeah, Lavero, maybe Boz. I was going to say Boz has what? been thrown around. I I I marked that down when I no, put he, this down to the ask post. You. Isn't going to let him do yeah. that. They can't let him do that. And he's he he covers it. I know he was on the field the other day after the game. And uh, by the way, Tommy, I know that well, a lot of I, writers are on the field. I have enjoyed reading Boz over the last three weeks. Yeah, I really have. I can feel the real devotion and the passion in what's going on right now for somebody like him. Oh yeah, who has wanted this as a native Washingtonian for his entire life. Well, I sit right next to him in the press box. Yeah, so I get I get I get it full bore, and I'm happy for him as well. He's coming at it from a different perspective than I am. Like you said, he yes. grew up with this, and he's. I mean, as much as I say he's covered the effort to bring baseball to Washington for ten years, he I, I did. He wrote about it for thirty years before it got here. Yeah. So, uh, but you can't you can't you can't have a baseball writer who covers <laughs> the team throw, throw out the first pitch. I didn't think you could. Um, I don't I, I don't even know who else to think about. Like I, Levon Hernandez has been thrown around a Jason lot. Jason Worth would be. Oh, I'll bet you. You know what? I'll bet you they consider that, but. But I think they're trying. They've tried to hide worth. Why? Two DUIs. Oh right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's why. It wouldn't bother me. I mean, I I'm not saying that his DUIs aren't a problem. I'm just saying if he walked out, and I mean, there was the first some pitch with the two DUIs. It's not going to be like, oh my god, that's terrible that there they was allowed some, him to do that. But there were some bad feelings. Yeah, I know that they put him in the Ring of Honor or whatever they call it, the Ring of Fame or the Circle of Trust or whatever it's called and he didn't tell them he had a second DUI right. while they were while while they were doing it so but uh, I, I would I still wouldn't be surprised if it wouldn't be Jason Worth at, at some point after all he is he is in that 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 circle that God only knows why he, he they they felt the need to install him 5 minutes after he retired right. in, in that thing but Jason Worth is, is a possibility but some people obviously look the best choice would be Frank Howard, but I don't know how healthy Frank yeah, Howard right. I was is. Ask right. you that. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's up to it. Uh, and then uh, it would force me to bring up the fact that the learners had a chance to hire Frank Howard as as a community ambassador when they took over the team, but they were too cheap to pay him seventy five thousand dollars to do it. So <laughs> um, that's that's the learners without Mike Grizzo. Yeah, those are the learners. 
All right, um, one more thing on the Nats. Uh, you know I'm into this stuff, but I don't know if you saw it, Tommy. So the game four the other night, um, the game that they clinched the National League Championship Series, the TV rating for it locally was a 14.8, which is was really good. The, the numbers have been climbing. Yeah. Like the Saturday game was an 8.6, I think, or an 8.7. The game two, game three climbed to 11-something, and then game four was a 14.8. And, you know, for those of you, by the way, that, you know, don't understand all this and it's hard to follow and even don't care, the only reason I like talking about it, and I know Tommy has a bit of an issue because not everybody consumes a sporting event now via their television. There's so many other ways to consume it, and, and, I, all, and I understand all of that. But forever, I've believed that this is much more instructive and much more reflective, if you will, of what you know, what the audience is and where it is, you know, to compare different teams in a market or to compare a market to another market, you know, in terms of a baseball team or a football team, because the people that attend a game are a tiny fraction of the people that watch the game on television. That's a much more important number, the television number uh, to, to sort of, you know, figure out if it's, if, if it's popular, if it's something that people are interested in. And we talked about the other day, I think we did, I know I did on radio, I think I did with you, that the Redskins game against the Dolphins on Sunday, which you could argue going into it, was probably among the least anticipated Redskin regular season games of all time. Two winless teams, fan base eroding in a major way as we've described. It did a 14.2 local rating on Sunday, which by the way was not twice as much, but nearly twice as much as the second game the Nats played in St. Louis, which did the 8-something rating. Anyway, the fact that it did, it was up to a 14.8, and now they're headed to the World Series. I believe we are on the verge of seeing something really big. I didn't, you know, I knew the hockey thing would spike because w- there's definitely a bandwagon element to this yeah. town, no doubt. Um, there's a front runner element, you know, uh, all of that stuff applies to Washington. Big event, town, the whole thing. But, you know, the lo- the regular season ratings for the Nats were 2.2. They were down. And they were down. They were down from last year, while the Orioles, a team that barely won 50 games, didn't win 50 games, I don't think. I don't think so. We're up. Yeah. So, and not only that, like if you were to compare Washington's regular season television numbers for the Nats on Masson, which generated a 2.2 rating this year, I'm sorry, 2.5 rating, my fault, to like a baseball town like St. Louis. St. Louis averaged like a 6.9. Yeah. You know, so basically like three times, almost three times as much uh, of an audience in a, in a real baseball town. But anyway, they did this 14.8 and... I'll get into the comparing it to the other teams in town and other markets in a second because what I wanted to say was it's going to get really big. They're going to do huge television numbers locally now that they're in the World Series. This is something that you will get from the bandwagon jumpers. You will also get from sports fans in general that are into baseball that may have you know, missed game two or game three or followed it on their phone or whatever. This is going to be appointment viewing Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I bet you, Tommy, this is a prediction that the World Series on Tuesday night and Wednesday night, and by the way, if it's Houston, the number's going to be lower. If it's New York, it's going to be much higher because we have a lot of New Yorkers that live in this market that will be watching the World Series and rooting for the Yankees, by the way. But we're going to see numbers in the mid to high 20s for world, the World Series game, 
with the early series games. And if this series goes to a sixth or seventh game, we're going to see Redskin type playoff numbers. We're going to see mid 30s, you know, to 40 locally. It's a much bigger opportunity than the, the Stanley Cup was. The Stanley Cup two years ago in the clinching game, the game five in Vegas, it did a 25.2 locally. That was so far and away the biggest number that the Caps had ever done in this market. The game seven against Tampa in the previous series did a 12.6, which was a monster rating. For the Capitals, and by the way, still, you know, was more comparable with what Redskin preseason games were doing even five years ago. But the twenty-five point two, which sort of gave you the real upside of the Caps. I don't know if it had gone to a seventh and deciding game, maybe would have done a twenty-eight or twenty-nine. The baseball is going to do. It's going to do one and a half times this. It's gonna it's it's gonna be a fifty a minimum of a fifty percent increase if we get deep into the series. You're gonna see numbers that equate to the Redskins playoff numbers the last time they were there. They did a thirty nine rating locally against Green Bay, a fifty rating when they played the Seahawks with RG three. I just think that there is a this the, there are a lot of baseball fans in that. Well, base- there are. You see, there. I mean, look, the pecking order. I I think still in this country. Is football, baseball, is is NFL, uh, arguably college football. Oh, the college football is easily M- MLB, yeah. uh, NBA, NHL. Okay, yep. maybe NASCAR. That, mixed that's in. the order. You Two, just got I, I think NFL, that, I think that's college it. football, NBA, yeah. Major League Baseball. Maybe, no, no, no. MLB ahead of major, uh, NBA. Um, MLB ahead of NBA. I, I, Absolutely. It's close. It's a year-by-year year thing. Sometimes, yeah, if, you just, if you just compare World Series to NBA Finals, it kind of goes year-by-year. Yeah. Year. yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. But, the, but the, the local, again, like I've always said, the local ratings in almost every market in baseball are usually the top five local shows all the time. Not here. Not here, but in most markets. I mean, that's why regional sports networks are a real good measure of how baseball does on, on TV. But... You know, I, we were talking about this, you know, uh, I was on with Chad Deuce yesterday on 106.7 Fan, and we talked about this. And you can hear me Saturday mornings with Nick Ashew, uh on, on, on the fan. Uh, the Redskins number, the, the Redskins have a built-in safety net of the NFL. It's it's the product itself that is always going to put bring eyes to the screen that are not necessarily indicative of, of the support for the team. Mm. I just think it's because... I think the NFL is always going to draw well and draw better than the other sports. But remember, the Redskins are on opposite many times a better NFL game in the market. Like, there's a better choice for NFL fans than the Redskins game on Sunday at 1 o'clock or this coming Sunday at 1 o'clock. But but still, it, I mean, like, like they said in, in, in the concussion movie... You know the Catholic Church used to own Sundays. Now the NFL does. Of course, it's been yeah. so. So basically, Especially people for pe- like you people gear up to watch NFL football on Sunday. You're such a bad Catholic. I just think that that people that that they're always going to be protected by the product, and baseball doesn't have that power that 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 the NFL has. So they're not going to have it. Uh, but this is an opportunity for this organization. Uh, what would you know? The question would be if they do what you think they'll do, and I think they will. Uh, what will the Nationals do with this moving forward? 
That's a really good question because, again, a lot of it will be, you know, the incremental bandwagon effect. And then when the regular season starts next year, they're not as interested. Right. You know, they want to see the big games. They want to watch the big games. They want, they want to turn the big games into an event, just like the, the Stanley Cup thing. You know, you had people down there in Chinatown celebrating probably one out of every three that three weeks earlier could barely name more than two players on the team. Probably. You know, and you, you're going to have a lot of that in the World Series, but I think it's less of that for baseball. I think there are sports fans in this market that don't know anything about hockey. You know, don't know anything about hockey, but they do know something about baseball. And they're following the Nationals during the course of the year, even if they're not sitting down and watching every game. You know, they may be reading the game recap or looking at a box score, looking at the standings and and, and hoping that, you know, they make a move to get into contention. I just think that baseball... well, you know what I think in terms of the hierarchy here. If all four teams were hitting on championship level year in and year out, it would be the Redskins, the Wizards, the Nats, and then I think you, you and then s- and then the and then the, uh, the, Caps. the Caps. You need to switch to baseball. I think baseball is really close. I think it'd be very close. Yeah. I think it'd be very close. But I just I think that there are areas in our DMV where if the Wizards were in an NBA championship series against the Warriors, it would be through the roof in terms of the attention paid to it, and it would be a difficult ticket to get. By the way, so is the World Series so, ticket. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, um, I, I just I think it's going to be really interesting to watch the response to this. We're, we're you know, 14.8 is not great for a fourth game where you clinch the, the National it's, League it's, Championship it's, it's Series. Table. It's not network. Understood, but the World Series is going to be on Fox. Yes, I know, but this, but but this rating, we we compared it to the Redskins. The Redskins were on network. The Nationals are on cable. I know. On cable and the Caps for those Stanley Cup Finals games, Aaron. Right, they were on NBC. Those yes, games were for on the NBC. Finals. Yes, yes. yes. So, um, yeah, like so, you know, you're going to have a situation next week. I just thought of this. You're going to have a World Series game Tuesday and Wednesday night on Fox, and then on Thursday night the Redskins are going to play the Vikings on Fox. And NFL Network. There'll be a combined number for the market that'll be put out. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to have the baseball team on Fox. Here at home. And good for them that this is the perfect... I mean, I'm actually glad that there's no conflict on Sunday. Yeah. Like, but but it's a Sunday night game. The World Series are all right. in prime time, so the Redskins would have had to be a scheduled Sunday night game. Do you remember when the Mets had the Game 7 against the Red Sox? I think I do. In 86? I think I remember it. I know, but do you remember what else happened that night? No. The Giants and Redskins were playing on a Monday night game um, in with the Giants undefeated on their way that year to the Super Bowl and the Redskins as, as the defending champions. Okay. And it the baseball in New York dwarfed the football. Not in Washington, though, no, no. where you didn't have a baseball team involved. It dwarfed Game 7 of the World Series. I think that was Game 7, or was that the famous Game 6? I think the game six, um, I, I think the Buckner game was the Sunday game, and then the game seven was Monday night. I'd have to look that up. Whatever. There, there was a conflict between World Series, Mets, Red Sox, yeah. and then Giants, Redskins on a Monday night. Anyway, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I guess it, it, you answered it. You think that the Nats are the clear-cut number two. Yeah, and, and I, I hope that when this is all said and done, this is this is what this is where the learners ownership is a problem. They 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 don't have vision. They they they're not bold. 
they don't trust marketing or understand marketing. And they're, they're going to be given a gift here to build on, to build something with. And I, don't, I just don't think they're capable of it. I, I mean, I think that as long, like, as long as they keep winning and as long as Mike Rizzo's a GM, they'll keep competing and winning because that's since 2012, they're like the second or third winningest team in all baseball. Uh, they'll do that, but uh, they're, be, they're being given a real opportunity to build up a fan base that, that, that took a hit this year. I, know. I mean, attendance down dramatically. They just barely made it over 2 million fans. I know. And like you mentioned, the TV ratings were down 10% during the regular yeah. season. Yeah. Now, there were yeah, there was a lot of extenuating circumstances, and people have brought this up, and it's fair. Uh, the Metro, coming from Northern Virginia in particular, was a disaster this summer because uh, they shut. They literally shut down you know, part of the line and, and all that. And parking is now more of an issue than ever down there because there's literally no place to park. Right. Uh, so there's ext- small extenuating circumstances that have an impact, but uh, this this is a golden opportunity for the learners. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I don't even know. As you're saying that, I'm like, well, what do they do to take advantage of the opportunity? Obviously, what they hope for is a huge jump in season ticket sales yes. the following year for yeah. starters. But even season but tickets, but then huge corporate, you know, yeah. deals yeah, that yeah. that didn't exist for them before. And, and and I'm talking about when I mean out of the box, and I'm talking about keeping the momentum going. In other words, don't crawl into a hole. After the World Series and is let over, Rendon go, and and not just Rendon, but I mean, don't crawl into a hole and just give up the the, the off season, and and just 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 keep it going. Have events, be creative, keep people interested. Have something that draws media to your events uh, in December, in January. You can do it. You just got to think out of the box to do it. I'm excited for this. This is going to be really, really spectacular. Like Tuesday night, Max Scherzer, more likely than not, on the hill. Trey Turner is going to come up and bat first against Justin Verlander in a World Series Game 1, which would really be spectacular. The pitching matchups, I know you've gone through them, but if it's Verlander, Scherzer, Cole, and then Strasburg, that's unbelievable. Yes, it is. But my preference, really, I'd love it to be the Yankees. I, the only the only thing I don't want is I don't want Yankees fans really infiltrating the park, which will probably happen to a certain degree. I don't know to what degree. I hope it doesn't happen at all. I think we'd be naive to think that there wouldn't be a lot of Yankee fans in the stadium in a World Series game three, four, and five. But I mean, where where are they going to get their tickets? At? Paying big money on the aftermarket. They I know are that. expensive. I, I get that, but I, at this point, you would think. Maybe by the time the, the opponent is decided, most Nat, I mean, Nats fans have already stepped up and gobbled up the tickets. Well, I mean, I'll check right now on StubHub. There were thousands available on StubHub for Game 3. Well, there are thousands available, but no tickets have been sold yet. So a lot of this is speculative. You know, you can't really look at the secondary market right well, now. But you're not, gonna spec- get, you're, gonna, you're not going to get a lot of people to buy them yet, and especially from outside right. the market until I'll, they I'll know their team's the National, in it. The Nationals are doing this smart with how they're releasing. They just announced how they're doing it. Um, if you bought tickets through... Not secondary market, but like through the team. Yeah, uh, you get your tickets on Friday. Your your chance to buy tickets, and then like the fan club gets it Saturday. So they're doing out in waves to try to minimize the secondary market. It seems like. Okay. okay. Well, that would be that would be great. I mean, yeah. right now it looks like Aaron. Where do you get the it, total number available on StubHub? I mean, you can go section by section to see. And you know, I got 
100 tickets here, 75 here, 95 tickets in this section. Like it's going to add up to well over, you know, well into the four digit digits of available tickets, even though they're super expensive. I'm not sure how to I, I don't exactly either. find. Yeah, I, I don't know that they maybe they. Why don't, don't you listen. put your staff on it? <clears throat> put my staff on it. Um, okay. but we do know that for the. Games against the Cubs and the Dodgers. Yes, in the playoffs, there were a lot of yes, opponents yes, fans in the park, particularly the Cubs. Particularly the Cubs, definitely the Cubs, especially in that fifth and deciding game. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, we'll talk Tuesday before Game One, so I'll have a chance to make predictions then, right? Absolutely. You'll be calling me from either Houston, from Houston or from New or York. New York. All right, a uh, quick word about mybookie.com. Guys, if you've been wondering about where you can wager on some of these games, um, mybookie.ag is a really good spot. I, I'm saving you the research of finding a reliable you know, online bookmaking operation where you can place bets knowing that you're going to get good lines, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to bet in any way you want to bet, you're going to get fast and reliable payouts. It's just as important as where you bet uh, as much as it is who you're betting on. All right, so where you play matters is is the net of it. Right now, if you go to mybookie.ag, they will double your first deposit if you use my promo code. My promo code is Kevin DC. That's K-E-V-I-N-D-C. That'll activate the offer. Mybookie.ag. Find where it is. You can double your first deposit on the homepage. Enter my promo co- promo code Kevin DC. You play, you win, you get paid. A little uh, social media interest on on uh, that you might be interested in here. Sure, uh, involving your team, the Redskins. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins about seventeen hours ago. And I don't know if you saw this. Nothing wrong with this tweet. Oh, oh boy. Okay, there's go. nothing wrong with it. I'm saying. Okay. He he tweeted that this chip is on my shoulder and it's staying there. Look, every player in the NFL has a chip on their shoulder. It's 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 the secret. Uh, it, it, it's it's like the secret performance-enhancing substance, a chip. They all have them. So there's nothing wrong with that. Kurt Warner replies, your favorite quarterback. I love Kurt Warner. Let me know if I can help with the process. DM me if I can. Keep plugging. It's all a process. I didn't start my first game until 28. You're way ahead of that. That's very nice from yes. Kurt Warner. What did Dwayne Haskins Dwayne, say in response? And Dwayne Haskins responded, uh appreciate you and with uh, with a uh with a goat there for greatest of all time it's what the kids say i guess <laughs> <laughs> yes they do they do and kurt warner to me is an underrated goat um very underrated at least. so that's an inter- that's an yeah. interesting uh, back and forth yeah so i mean again you know. i'm not criticizing dwayne haskins nothing wrong with saying that ever all nfl players have a chip on their shoulder that's what you want you want a chip on their shoulder. If there's not one there, they create one. Right. I'll tell you what, though. I swear to God, if this were a client of mine, if I were an agent, I'm not talking about Dwayne Haskins. Right. If it were my son, who were a you know he was a professional athlete, I would tell them to stay the f off social media. And if you are on social media, use it just as a as a tool to read, not to actually tweet. And if you want to retweet something, just check with me before you do it. Uh, because it just, it really is. I mean, look at who got in trouble. We were going to talk about this today, maybe a little bit later on. But I've never seen anybody that has some savvy 
which I think LeBron James has some savviness to him. I've never seen somebody make a big mistake and then not understand that the more you tweet about it, talk about it, explain it, re-explain it over and over again, you're going to lose even more credibility in the process. Yes. Like, dude, shut up. Yeah. Like, you made a mistake. These things are 24 to, you know, maybe in this case, a 48-hour news cycle. You keep extending it. Stop doing it. But Now, I think, look, I don't know if this is the case. Uh, but you know, with Dwayne Haskins and, and young people like him, we're not even talking about Haskins. I know that, but I'm just pointing out, yeah. just pointing out that I mean, it's it's like asking uh, one. It's it would have been like asking us, well, don't watch TV anymore. In other words, like it's part of their. I mean, the social media is what they grew up with. I mean, it's 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 part of who they are. It's part of of, of being a, a young adult in America. So I, I understand why it's hard. For them to stay off of it. I want to play something for you off of that comment. All right. I want you to listen to Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern football coach, before the season started talking a lot about what you were just referring to. These things. I think phones, I think technology has been the decline in attendance, number one. I think, you know, watching young people today live like this instead of like that. You know, Stacey and I were out on a date last night, and there was two couples, two groups of couples sitting next to us, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm old. Like, not one of the four couples were talking to each other. They were all on their phones, and it just drove me up. to. I literally wanted to be like a dad and go, like, give me your phone, talk to each other. (laughs) I mean, this is pathetic. So it was really, really pathetic, and I think that's just – it's just changed the way – a lot of younger people and younger fans intake is all through technology. And I mean, you watch a concert and everybody's holding their phone up, like, listen, watch, take it in, create a memory. Cause they don't go back and watch the videos. They just want to post it on their social media, which is pathetic because it creates a society of look at me. Isn't my life great. Even though when they go home, they're like, I hate myself. I hate my life. Everything's wrong. So I think it's a big cause. I think it's, I think it's the root cause Number one, um, you know, I think the fans that grew up going and tailgating and the fans that grew up going to the stadiums four hours before the games are getting a little older. And I think the next and, and younger generation of fans are more reliant on technology. They'd rather have 12 TVs set up in their, in their TV watching cave than go to a game and experience the pageantry and the tailgating. So I think it's definitely things that we, we need to look at is, is – as a brand, college football. All right, you, on you how we get rid of it. I, I got to the part that I wanted Tommy to hear, which was, yeah, I mean, they are taking in. First of all, there's nothing that made me laugh harder. But the context of that, by the way, was North Northwestern football attendance, which, by the way, no one goes to Northwestern yeah. football games because they're not very good. It typically. has nothing to do with the phones. <laughs> yeah, um, that has nothing to do with the phones, but. My favorite part is when he says you go to a concert, and it's so true because I've been to a couple concerts. I saw the Smashing Pumpkins like a month ago at Merriweather. They were so good, and I'm looking around, and I can't believe how many people aren't sitting there and watching the show and taking it in, and they've got their phones up, and they're 
They're videotaping it. I'm like, that's a shitty way to see the show through your phone. And then he, what his point is, it's also they can post it on social media, which is a look at me thing. And then they go home and they say, I hate myself so much, <laughs> which is really, I think a lot of you understand there's a lot of that with young people. There's so much pressure that they face, you know, from this stuff. Do you know that the number one cause right now of suicide in teenage girls is being socially it is being shamed on social media i can believe that it's unbelievable anyway but you know what's interesting i mean our parents could say the same thing about us with tv about tv i mean i mean when you think about the power of television right and 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 you know the suggestiveness of advertising and the impact it had on us. And then you quadruple it or, or 10 times that for this generation because there's advertising everywhere on everything. Uh, it, it's, it's the same reaction. I mean, TV dramatically changed the way, uh, the way we consumed, uh, the way we lived our lives compared to our parents. But That's true, but it's not the right comparison because what you were talking about and what Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern coach, was talking about is that they can't stop this process of being involved in social media. It's really hard for them to stop, but what's driving a lot of it is like this incredible insecurity. This incredible need to be relevant. This incredible, by the way, inability to deal with adversity on social media. When someone's critical of you, which as we know, unlike television, no one's shouting back at you while you're sitting there, you know, watching television. But but the image is the same. In other words, like we grew up watching TV and seeing uh, families and shows leading perfect lives and we knew our families weren't like that. Right. And we watched these commercials with good-looking people, you know, chewing gum and drinking soda and all this. And we looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, well, we don't look like that. You know, what's wrong with that? Well, this is the same thing. It's the same thing accentuated, but the same angst, the same insecurities we had when we were kids. I don't think you watched television and it created insecurities. I think I think I think you did. Television even, I, was a diversion think, and it was more like more likely than not a happy diversion. I think you didn't even know it was going on. Well, I, I think you, you know what's going on now. Yes, you do. I th- I think that the subliminal and not uh, not the planted subliminal things where somebody would flash something in the middle of a commercial and you didn't see it, but I just think the sub look, I mean, again, a lot of people spent a lot of money on on uh on on advertising on TV in the 60s and the 70s and either they flushed it down the toilet or it convinced you to do something that you didn't even realize it was convincing you to do yeah i i know and you know the the it's really interesting about television because you know you were told for so long that it was really unhealthy to sit there and watch yes. it yes you know and yet What's unhealthier than today getting onto your phone to say something about yourself and then be, you know, just absolutely, you know, heartbroken by whatever the response is? Yes, you're you right. Know? It's, like wor- it's, it's worse now, but it's the same. It's the same thing multiplied. Yeah, it's the same thing. The insecurities are there now. Uh, the insecurities were there when we were growing up. 
God only knows. You know what my parents were insecure about? Eating. Because they grew up during a depression. Right. So they were insecure about where their next meal was coming from. By the way, this is going to be a complete right-hand turn off of what you just said. Like nowhere near where we are. But I just I didn't want to lose this thought. What was I, like? I, I had Maury Povich on the radio show this okay. morning, and his father Shirley Povich. You, of course, know who he is, and most of you out there know who he is. He's a legendary columnist for the, the Washington Post and covered the Senators in baseball for years. And he, the 1933 World Series, the last time a Washington professional baseball team was in the yes. World Series, Shirley Povich covered it and wrote about it in the Post. And I was thinking, man, what was 1933 Washington like? First of all, you are in the deep, deep darkest oh. times of the depression. Yes. You know, we are four years removed um, from the market crash. We are in the in, in year two of FDR. Yes. Just beginning New Deal kind of stuff. Meanwhile, and over it is, in, in Europe, you're starting the, the, the rumblings. The seeds of World War II yes. were being laid. Yes. And you are in, and in, in yet your baseball team is in the World Series. Yeah. I, I just wonder <laughs> what it would have been like to be in Washington in 1933 on your way to Griffith Stadium for a World Series game. Yeah. And what it cost. And you know whether or not you were coming home to you know the third straight night of leftovers from the stew that your mother made on Sunday that needed to last the whole week or whatever. And you were maybe, I mean, I've seen images of people like gathering around radios out on the street, right? You know, listening to games. You know, stopping and and and, and listening to games. You know, I I used to, I always think of if I could go back in time for for one year. Uh, what year would I go back in time and, and be a sports writer? Uh, and I always say 1947 because, because that was Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. You yeah. had three baseball teams in New York then. Uh, it wouldn't have been 1933, I can tell you that. <laughs> right. It wouldn't have been, no. no. This is po- the post-war era of 47. <laughs> the country was about to embark on, on a remarkable era of, yeah. of prosperity. Prosperity, yes. And, and well, I mean, you, we had Korea. You know, we did yes, have a we war. Did. Um, but that was a police action, Kevin. Well, I heard somebody describe it the other day who was trying to talk about it and said the 89th parallel. I said, no, I don't think it was the 89th. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, uh, I, you know what? I, I've, uh, I, it, it's actually a really good sports radio topic that I don't know if we ever did this. I don't think I've done this in years. Is if you could go back and attend one sporting event, either one that you went to or didn't, what would it be? That's easy for me. Ollie Frazier? No, Ollie Foreman. Ollie Foreman. In the middle in, of the in, jungle. In Zaire. In Zaire. Yeah. To be on the press corps with Norman Mailer and George Plimpton and Hunter Thompson yeah. in the middle of Africa, sign me up. There, there are two. I've always thought about Ollie Frazier, one at the Garden, which was the probably the biggest sporting event of the 20th century. I think that along with, uh, you got to go back to 1938 and Joe Just, Lewis and Max Schmeling. Okay, well, but 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 I I, th- I think you're right. I think it is the biggest one. Um, that I would have loved to have been in Madison Square Garden that night, and you you know all of the documentaries that have been done yes. on it are so well done. I also would just once love to go back and experience again what RFK Stadium was like the day they played the Cowboys in the 83 so, championship uh, game. Something that you've already been <laughs> yeah, at. Tom, it was it's my number one that I've ever attended. I've never ever and I'm not I've been to a lot of sporting events as you yes. know that aren't Washington related. I don't still to this day I don't think I've ever been in an arena or a stadium as electric as that was pre-kickoff. Never. 
Now, you know, I wasn't objective. I had a rooting interest in it was into it, but man, that is the loudest venue I think I have ever been in but, for a sporting event. But you need to be this Kevin Sheehan, not that Kevin Sheehan, right? I know. Yeah, well, that would be fine. I would, you know what? I would because, still get really excited for it. Yeah, I know that, but it would be the same feeling all over again. I mean, if no, you, I would rather experience something that I didn't experience. But I'm just saying that okay. that would be on the list if included were sporting events you also have already been to. I think Fraser Ali would be one for me. Definitely one. Um, you know what it one wouldn't be? What? 49ers Redskins. This Sunday. <laughs> no. That wouldn't, wouldn't be one of them. No, probably wouldn't. Although you don't know what's going to happen. It may end up being one of the greatest NFL games of all time. There could be a fist fight at, at, at the 50-yard line between Kyle Shanahan and Bruce Allen. Could be. Um, all right, so let's get to some Redskins. Two things uh, on the Redskins. Number one is the report that came out from a Canton, Ohio newspaper on Monday, on Tuesday evening, excuse me, that like a deal for Trent Williams and the Browns was imminent. Well, it, it wasn't. It hasn't happened. And then John Dorsey, the general manager of the Browns yesterday, did say and admit that they had inquired, but it takes, quote, two to tango. Closed quote. The implication being the Redskins aren't dealing Trent Williams. Yes. And in fact, there was a further report that suggested that Bruce Allen really isn't even having conversations, like not even listening to offers, which to me can't possibly be true. Like you can be dumb. You can't be that stupid where you wouldn't listen to an offer. If I were a general manager, I would listen to an offer for any of my players. Even if and I most never had, general managers do. If I never had any intention of trading anybody, I would say, what are you offering? It's not that hard of a question. Right. And by the way, it's a good learning tool for you to go out potentially before a trade deadline this year or next, and you can use this as sort of a, ba- a basis, like a, a starting point. I, I don't believe those stories to be true. I don't think the Redskins are very bright. I've made that s- myself very clear on that. I don't think they're so dumb or so stubborn that they wouldn't say to John Dorsey when, when he calls, what are you offering? It's a real simple question. Yeah, we're not interested. And that's the simple answer if you're really not. But you want to hear what they're offering. Um, don't forget, though, when things look bad from the outside, they're worse inside. They're usually much, <laughs> that's your, much worse. That's one of your on things. Yeah. Um, it's so stupid at this point. And I, I know I, I'll, I'll make this short. I don't, I don't have any problem understanding why they would want to dig their heels in. He's got two years left on his deal. He's accused them some of something, or certainly through his surrogates, and maybe not directly, of something that they don't believe, and they believe has has actually, in many ways, defamed. Yes, you know their medical people and and or training. It people. has. And I could see and totally understand why they are pissed off, and they'd like to to bleed him, as Les Carpenter wrote, or they'd like they do not want to set a precedent that you can say these kinds of things and get traded. I do understand that part from just a pure business standpoint, and by the way, professional relationship standpoint. With that said, and I used your, I think it's your favorite saying. One of these days, I'm going to put together a book of Lavero's five key top five sayings that I've written down and used because they're so smart. But 
sometimes the juice ain't worth the squeezing. Yeah. And this is the perfect example there, of it. There's, there's fights that are worth fighting, and there's ones that aren't. This is This may have been a fight worth fighting for a while, but he has made it very clear he has no intention of ever playing for you again. Or he certainly doesn't want to. He may be forced in by week 10 to get the accrued season. He's so adamant that he can't stand you and doesn't want to play for you, which, by the way, is not a reflection of a, of a damn good culture, when your best <laughs> player is essentially paying you not to play, which is what he's doing if you consider yes, the fines right. to be him paying them. Um you got to move on. And look, if the situation were different from a team standpoint, like, hey, we're a good team and we could really use him because we got a chance to go deep into the playoffs. But you should be in reboot mode. You shouldn't, you're not going to have Trent Williams as a really good player and an elite player when you're ready to contend at some point, if you ever do. It's so stupid. I can't even explain how stupid it is. It's but really do frustrating. Think, do you think they're capable? Of it, of of literally not taking phone calls. No, that I, look. He, Bruce has has been has you know, he's been he's wheeled and dealed before in the past. He knows what the game is. I can't believe that when John Dorsey or the Patriots or the Texans or anybody else that called him, except I, the, ex, except the Forty Niners. Well, I don't think he's talking to the Forty Niners. No. Yeah, no. Um, which is stupid, of course, because yes. he could have gotten a first round pick for Kirk Cousins. Yes. Had he, you know, been not so petty um, with the 49ers. But um, I, I don't, you know, it also speaks to, by the way, this is the last thing on this. And then you can weigh in. The, the other part of this is just they're delusional. They're detached from reality, which we know there's an element of that. And they really are buying into the fact that if they beat the 49ers this week, they're back in play for 2019, and it would be great to get Trent back in Week 10 to make that late push for the playoffs. I'm serious. I think some of the, I think they think that if they win this weekend, they're going to be back in a playoff race. I'm sure they probably do, and and that means they think this is a winnable game for them. They do, no doubt. <laughs> what? It's just unbelievable. I mean, Kyle Shanahan against Greg Minuski. <laughs> I mean that's not even fair. I mean that that's that's. I mean, what would you compare it to? I don't know. You hear? Did you hear what Kyle Shanahan said yesterday? Yeah, I did. For those that missed it, he was asked about um, what 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 his what his favorite memories were about Washington. He said working with my dad and some of the other coaches. What were your worst memories of Washington? He said everything else. You know, and and by the way, just so everybody knows this, this is not Kyle Shanahan's first trip back to Washington as right. the head coach. They were here two years ago with the 49ers. And they and lost, his, didn't they? They lost, but they, they, Pierre Garçon got called for an offensive pass interference late in the game that was a terrible call. I remember that game. He was playing for the 49ers yes. that day. Yeah. And the, if not for that call, they would have had a chance for a game-winning field goal yeah. at the end of the game. Um, I also think back on Kyle, Tommy. You and I were doing a show at the time. You didn't feel this way. But I was very adamant that they had a good coaching staff, as you know. I was a big fan of Mike. I was a big fan of Kyle. I was a big fan of the staff. I thought they needed to suck it up and get through the salary cap penalty stuff, and eventually this was the group that would turn it around. And whenever I say that, go ahead, you're going to tweet me in with Mike's record, 24 and 40 or whatever it is as the Redskins coach. By the way, no one leaves here with a winning record, just if you were wondering, including Coach Joe. But do you remember some of the feelings about Kyle Shanahan in this town from people on our own station? 
you know, people around town, writers, that the only reason he had a job was because his father was the head coach. Well, but but my position has been when you when you do that, when you go to work for your father as at in a position like that, you've got to be willing to take those hits. I understand that those hits are those hits are not out of bounds. Oh, they they were out of bounds based on his track record. He had already led a top flight offense with Matt Schaub at quarterback as the OC in Houston. I, I get that. Like he was a sought after but, but, offensive. But you're going to be the first if things go south. You're going to be the first target. But he wasn't and, the and, first son to be hired. Marty Schottenheimer had his his brother and his son on the staff. I, I get that. Yeah. I, I get that. And I, I just don't think it's a good practice, but it happens in the NFL everywhere yeah. all, 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 all the time. Uh, you know what else Kyle Shanahan uh, grabbed onto? The uh, homecoming weekend. What do you mean? This is homecoming weekend. I knew it was. I missed what he said about homecoming. Yeah, basically at the end of his comments in a conference call with reporters – and he was told that this is called Alumni Homecoming Weekend. Yeah. And he said, Homecoming Weekend? Don't, don't they have that in college? So he brought that up as well. And you remember... D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams. Aaron, find that sound right what, now. Because uh, it's Carolina. one of my favorite all-time yeah. sound bites. Yeah. So so Kyle has already latched onto the fact that they've picked <laughs> out the 49ers for their opponent for Homecoming Weekend. Oh, my God. I didn't hear that part. I played that was all right the other at, Kyle stuff I, on the radio I, I, show I read, this morning. I read it right at the end of a story in the Washington Times. And so his response was... Well, it's kind of like incredulous that... That, that well, he was still... here for some of them. We had we had him when they were here. I think no, no, no. This no. was a Bruce Allen thing. Yeah, yeah. After Mike left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mike wouldn't have done that. I don't. I don't think. Well, so. none. Uh, actually, I think the I D'Angelo think... Williams thing was with yeah, Mike that here. Was with Mike. Oh, okay. yeah. I can't. I can't find the sound right now. If oh, come on. Video. Seriously. I, I mean, I see all the quotes. I can't find the video right now. Yeah. I'm looking though. Yeah. But, but <laughs> and it was in a conference call. Homecoming. You put it on the program like you didn't even try to hide it. Yeah. Like <laughs> that was the best. Yeah, so he goes and he so, said it pissed us off. So he, uh, it's fair to say, uh, you know, I know that Dwayne Haskins has a chip on his shoulder. The chip on Kyle Shanahan's shoulder is going to be about fifty pounds when he walks into Ghost Town Field on Sunday, <laughs> right? Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've I've already mentioned this week that uh, based on some of the people I know that would be familiar with the situation, that he doesn't want to win this game by the favored ten. He wants to win it by a hundred and ten yeah. if he can. Yeah. Now he didn't. And say he that won't yesterday. have any problem motivating his team to buy into that. You know though, Tommy, the the funny thing about it, um, maybe I mentioned this to you on Tuesday, but this is like the perfect spot typically and historically in the NFL for the East Coast team. You know the one o'clock. Oh, start, I know. Uh, 10 a.m. West Coast, especially in this spot where San Francisco just had a very emotional win over, over a, a rival, division yeah. rival, you know, and they're 5-0, and and they, they would be overlooking a bad opponent. Like, this is the perfect spot. I started looking for all the data on this early this morning before the radio show. And what's funny, Aaron, is that the only data that's out there is, of course, you know, ATS data. It's only, you know, what of what course. West Coast teams are against East Coast teams against the number. I just wanted to know what they were straight up. You know, the only thing I found was there was data that from 2001 to, to, to 2015, uh, when West Coast teams played a 1 o'clock start on the East Coast or a 12 noon start central time zone, they lost... 35 points, uh, they lost 64.4% of the time. So 
So almost two-thirds. Two-thirds favored the East Coast team. However, this year, and I went back and did this research on my own. You'll be proud of me. didn't take very long. There aren't a lot of West Coast teams. West Coast teams traveling East this year for a 1 o'clock Sunday kick, East Coast time, forget the Central thing, are 8-1 and one this year. 8-1. and one. Away teams in general are ridiculous Are good this, this year? year. Yeah. yeah. God, you're right about that. Once you just said that, I'm like, away teams have won games this year. Not just one game. I mean, especially if you're talking gambling, there's something like 65% against the spread. Really? Yeah. Um, I was thinking that it could be the perfect spot for the Redskins, you know, to pull an upset. But then I saw the line. Vegas doesn't believe so. Like, they're a 10-point favorite. To, to give you the West Coast team traveling east this week that should be on upset alert, the Rams are only a three-point favorite at 1-5 and five Atlanta. That would give you an indication. If yes. that's the West Coast team they think is in danger this week, yeah. not the 49ers laying 10. Now, Atlanta's a better team, even though they've got a, a, a comparable record. They're a much better team than the Redskins are and much more capable than the Redskins are. But anyway. Um, now, now I, I pointed out what the Ram, the uh, 49ers' motivation for playing an emotional game uh, against the Redskins. Obviously, the Kyle Shanahan revenge factor and the homecoming designation for this weekend now the Redskins have their own emotional burst to basically take the field and go after the 49ers and that's win one for Reuben Foster this is his old team the 49ers that cut him loose that basically dumped him Mm -hmm. and now he's a Redskin he's part of the Redskins family and he's hurt so, so you got to go out there and win one for Ruben. Okay, so I love when you do this because sometimes you hit the mark with your column ideas because I sense a column. No, this is here. not. No, there's, okay. there's no. There's, and there's sometimes not, it's really a reach. No, there's not many columns that you're going to see in the next couple of weeks. That have <laughs> nothing to do with the Redskins. With the, with the Redskins. So, though I will be there Sunday uh, for the Redskins 49ers, and we'll probably be writing a column about that. Uh, you know, the 49ers really miss Ruben Foster, don't they? <laughs> yeah, their defense is legit. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get to what Cooley said on his podcast this week because I think it's really an interesting conversation. First of all, the part um, of what he said that um, is definitely, I think, some insight as to what the organization is thinking. And then the part that's purely speculative, hypothetical on his part that has nothing to do with what the organization would think. And by the way, he didn't tell me the organization said this. He said this on his podcast. He said, basically, I think they expect Alex to come back and have a chance to play next year. Um, Alex Smith. Alex, Alex Smith. Alex Smith, that would be. Okay. The one that had the, you know. 17 knee The surgeries. external fixator or whatever yeah. on his leg. And just and got it off recently and is moving around with a limp, I've been told. But is throwing, you know, out at Redskin Park behind the scenes. Yes. And is there all the time. And we see him Sundays well, with. Well, uh, not only is there all the time. Apparently, he's with Dan Snyder whenever Dan Snyder goes to away games. Dan wants him with him yeah. at away games. I mean, I got to be honest with you. If I'm Alex Smith, you're paying me all this money. You're not also going to make me hang out with you. Well, I think I, that's, I, that's pretty much the case. You, I mean, that's what I've heard. Where, look, I, I don't want to. I hope Alex Smith is healthy. It would be an incredible comeback story if he were to able, if he played football a little again. bit, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Tommy reported recently, and I've mentioned it. You know, I mentioned it yesterday on the podcast and on the radio show. Tommy had a column that revealed that Alex Smith has had seventeen surgeries on his leg 
Not seven, not two or four, 17. You know, he made this announcement at, at, at the opening of a medical facility, and it was, you know, invited uh, medical staff at this thing. And I was told, like, there was a collective gasp from people in, who are in this business when he told them they had 17 I can surgeries. imagine. I would have been like, I would have stood up. I'm so, hold, hold on for a second. I think you misspoke. <laughs> uh, you know I would have. I would have said 17. <laughs> Did you say 17 or seven? And I said 17. Are you sure your information's right? Yes. <laughs> you are. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm sure my information you, is right. You can't, it's not possible you got that one wrong? Well, unless Alex got it wrong. Okay. Maybe, maybe he didn't. What if he maybe was, he miscounted them. What if he was just joking and said, in jest, I've had like 17 surgeries on this leg? Well, I, there's nothing I can do about that. Well, who? I mean, the person that was there, you were not there. Right. Your source that was there maybe doesn't have a sense of humor and didn't understand that there was some no, sarcasm. My source is pretty savvy. Okay. Alright. 17's a lot of damn yes, surgeries on a leg. Like at some point, I think I'd get to like number seven or eight and say, just cut it off. And by the way, I, 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 I called the Redskins yesterday. I called the Nova. Uh, neither one of them, all oh, the Redskins, they both said, they both contacted me back. Neither one of them said Alex was joking. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm messing with you, but 17's a lot of surgeries to have. But anyway, here was the next part of Cooley's podcast. He was doing it with Clinton the other day, Clinton Portis. Cooley just said, you know, off the cuff, he said, you know, if they believe that Alex Smith can be the starting quarterback in 2020, um, and there are a lot of indications, as you mentioned, he's with Dan everywhere he goes, he's hanging around at the park, he's in the quarterback meeting rooms, the whole thing. Um, Cooley said, why would you play Dwayne Haskins this year only to tell him he doesn't have the starting job in 2020? That's they were bringing back point. Alex Smith. That's a very good point. I, I told him that I didn't think it was a very good point. I don't know why you would care what, what Haskins – you want Haskins – you want to find out about Haskins. Yeah, if Haskins plays eight games and plays really great, wouldn't that be awesome to have the option of Smith or Haskins and to actually be able to consider, actually, Alex is ready, but Dwayne was great. Or Dwayne wasn't very good. We don't have a good feeling about Dwayne moving forward, and we're going to have the number one pick in the draft. And Justin Herbert – or Tua, or anybody else is a possibility for us now. Because Alex Smith is going to be 36 next year off of an injury that he had 17 surgeries to, to, to try to a, a repair and get him into a position where he can play. By the way, it's, let's make this really clear. I hope he gets healthy. I hope he can play football again. As a Redskin fan, I do not want him to be my starting quarterback in 2020. Do not. That's a path to nowhere. I agree. But think, think the way they're thinking. That's the next part of this. Yes. Go ahead. As opposed to, you know, the logical, the NFL franchise way of thinking. Right. Think the way the, 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 the Redskins are thinking at this point uh, in, in terms of, I mean, Bruce Allen has put his reputation, again, his tattered, pathetic reputation is in part on the line on the Alex Smith trade. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, it's basically another salary. It turned out to be through no fault of their own. Well, it is because they gave the contract extension, uh, some of their fault, another salary cap penalty. Uh, they need to see a payoff for that. Bruce Allen needs to see a payoff for that, right? No, you don't need to say. No, he see, does. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking he oh, does. Oh, I, I agree with that. Yes. I, I don't. I'm not saying rational people would, right. but he does. 
He needs to see that. And as far as look, as far as Haskins and 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 you dismissing the notion that if you put him out there and then pull him off, and Alex Smith is look, that he's already being made out to be a victim, and he's barely played. I mean, the, the Dwayne Haskins, the whoa, Dwayne Haskins, the Redskins treat him is already a storyline out there. It's just that. Okay, I'll come back to that in a second. The whole notion that they, by the way, this all ties into we're close. Alex Smith starting next year. Yes. We were close last year. Reuben Foster coming back next year. Okay, but stop with the Reuben Foster. Why? Because it's not relevant to this specific conversation. But we were they're cl- playing the 49 we were cl- I know, I understand that. We were close last year. The Reuben Foster You game. guys don't understand how close we were. We were 6-3. and three. We had Alex. He wasn't turning the ball over like Kirk used to do. And we were headed to the playoffs as a division winner with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And when David Aldridge asked Bruce Allen that question last week in the press conference, and Bruce said, I disagree with your premise. We were less than a year ago, we yeah. were in first place. Like they are so delusional as to what last year was. But it, be, beyond that, so it goes into the we're close because we're not going to have Alex this year, Dan, and this is why we're not doing well this year. And Jay, by the way, really fucked up the the the, the quarterback situation here because he didn't want to coach Dwayne and he wanted Colt out there. And you know, Case is probably was our best chance. And he's starting Colt against New England and pushing the whole Colt thing. Well, we got rid of him fortunately. And remember, Jay didn't coach Alex very well in twenty eighteen. Well, he look at he wasn't his quarterback. He wasn't his guy. So what we're going to have is we're going to have an even better version of Alex on a better team with our future quarterback. He's going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's going to sit behind Brett Favre, Alex Smith, for a few years. And next year, if we don't contend this year with Case the rest of the way, we got a chance to get Alex back and be back in a position to win this division with good run defense, with a running game, and a quarterback that won't turn the ball over at 36 years old limping around the field. I, I It's so... It's so dysfunctional, and it's so lacking in vision, and it's so it, it's the lack of self-awareness. They never can see what reality is, even though it's right in front of them. And Dan's getting sold a bill of goods. The easiest person to sell is the salesman. That's the adage, well, that, and Bruce is selling the hell you're right. out of Snyder. You're, that, that's a really good point. You're right about that. Plus, again, like, like, I, like I said, like we both know, I mean— Snyder obviously likes Alex Smith because he wants him around right. all the time. So, so does he cover for him when Bruce isn't around? I don't know. I don't know if he's, <laughs> if, mean, he's if he's Alex. You've already lost one leg. If somebody shoots at me and takes out your second yeah. leg, who cares? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, so already there, there's a close relationship probably between Alex Smith and Dan Snyder, which we know is really the key to playing quarterback for this team. <laughs> yes, that's the key. Is to be the oh, owner's friend, God. but he but the owner drafted Dwayne Haskins. Yes, that's a little and bit. And gave conflict. him and gave him number seven. Yes, and you know, <laughs> did you hear Doc the other well, day? He's got two. Doc friends, said then. I would have give, given him zero until he proved he could play. <laughs> um, but I just don't the the whole worrying about Haskins' feelings and psyche is not really something that I think should be a big concern. Not because I'm convinced for sure that you you couldn't break his psyche, but I do have like my 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 intuitive thought watching him and hearing him 
is he played at Ohio State. Like, he played in bigger arenas and bigger games than this franchise is playing in right now. Um, And I just don't think that playing him against the Giants ruined him. I don't. I don't think playing if they had played him against the Patriots or the Dolphins would have ruined him had he not played well. I do think that it's it's a good it's good news that Callahan's getting him first team reps. You know they're working him. And by the way, just as an aside, the fact that Colt McCoy has basically been without Jay Gruden pushed to the side. He didn't get any first team reps yesterday. He was deactive last week. You know he was inactive last week. We've seen, I think we've seen with the passing on of Jay Gruden, not, you know, in terms of life or death, but as no longer the Redskins coach, I think we have seen the end of the Colt McCoy era in Washington. Well, let me just point out, you'll see Colt McCoy again this year because my my prediction is going to come true. Yeah, I know. And they're, they're, at some point, Colt McCoy is going to be the only healthy quarterback to put out there. <laughs> Maybe. Um Alex Smith as a starter in 2020 is a path to nowhere, Bruce, Dan. It was a path, by the way, last year to nowhere. Please understand you were 6-3 and three and you were doing a lot of good things. You were running the football. You were stopping the run. You were winning the turnover battle, winning the field position battle, playing old-school football against some you know teams that weren't very good that you beat. And the teams that you played that were pretty good pretty much ravaged you. Um, and you were headed to like 8-8. Eight and eight. And maybe you could have gotten to nine and seven had Alex stayed healthy. Maybe. But it wasn't going to be a contending season. They were dreadful on offense at times last year throwing the football. Now, he might say it's because Jay, you know, it was all Jay. Well, you gave Jay the contract extension and you gave Jay yeah. Alex Smith. Yeah. You know, you're the one that brought Alex Smith, who was not a good fit. Alex Smith, do you remember the day he got traded? I said. Got to have a running game for him. He's going to be checked down Charlie. And with Andy Reid as his coach and a shitload of talent, they couldn't win in the postseason. They got to the postseason, but that's what Alex Smith is. He is just a an average starting quarterback in the NFL. You're not going anywhere with Alex Smith at 36 off of 17 surgeries. Give me an effing break. But the Redskins, that's, that's the only road they know is the road to nowhere. I mean, it's it's like an oval track. They just keep going round and round. <laughs> it's so true. Ugh. All right, you're not going to be here on Sunday. Make a prediction for the game. Uh, you're not going to be here. You're not going to be back before the game is played. So give me a Sunday prediction for the game. Well, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say 49ers 34. Uh, the Redskins nothing. <laughs> zero. Zero. 34 nothing. 34 shutout. zero. Shut out. All right. Um, don't forget, we've got an app now. You can get that app at the App Store. Um, you can get it, you know, if you've got Android off the Google uh, Store, you can get it from the Apple Store, um, uh, App Store on iPhone. Uh, please let me know what you think of the app. I've gotten some pretty good feedback um, so far. If you're having any issues with it, let us know. We tried to really keep it simple, Aaron. Right with the with the podcast, yep. um, with the app. I'm sorry of the podcast. I know that you know other apps that have been done. You know, to me they were too cumbersome. We try to keep this really simple. There's today's show. You can go back and find old shows. It's not a bad way to listen to it to have it on the app and it gets delivered um, right to the app every day. Let us know how you feel. You can tweet me at Kevin Sheehan uh, DC. Um, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or 
uh, on any other platform that allows you to rate it and review it, please do that as well. And by the way, the app, uh, definitely rate it. Give us five stars, please, if you don't mind. That'll, that'll help us on the revenue side. All right, I do have a smell test, early smell test pick. By the way, I'm saving you from the NFL power poll today. You know, you don't even have to say that. I know, but I could. You, I was looking at you, and you're looking at me like, are we going to do the power poll? No, were I you, wasn't. Were you prepared for it today? No, okay. I wasn't. But I heard you do it on your radio show. Yeah. On the way in. It's really good, isn't it? It's okay. It's actually better without you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so tonight, Aaron, I mean, this is this fits into the smell test perfectly. Nobody thinks that Kansas City can go to Denver tonight and lose a third straight game like everybody's pretty convinced that the Chiefs are really really good and there's no possibility of them losing three games in a row and they are only a three-point favorite at mile high tonight in Denver um Denver as Aaron knows was my surprise AFC team before the season they're two and four. They've won two games in a row. They shut out the Titans last week after beating the Chargers on the road the week before as a smell test pick. They should be four and two. They were absolutely hosed against Chicago and Jacksonville with just horrendous, you know, league admitted bad roughing the passer calls. Um, and they're good. They're a much better team than you think they are at two and four. They're capable defensively. They're actually a little bit banged up, too. The Chiefs are banged up coming into this one. Mahomes is limping around on that ankle. But here's the biggest thing, Tommy. The Chiefs are giving up in their last two losses 190 yards on the ground. And Denver can run it with uh, with uh, Freeman and with uh, Philip Lindsay. I like Denver outright tonight in a short week Thursday night game. I definitely love them, plus three as a smell test pick. The smell test last week, eight and nine, first losing week uh, since week one, I think. I think that's right, since week one. Uh, 49-29-1 overall. Uh, Denver tonight as a smell test pick, plus the three. I would also, by the way, Aaron, I'd lean UCLA tonight, catching the short number against Stanford, but Stanford's got quarterback issues. That's why I'm staying off that. Um, nobody knows who the quarterback is going to be for Stanford tonight. They're laying four right now, four and a half. Uh, That number, if their starting quarterback is back, or the quarterback, the quarterback the last week in their upset over Washington, if he's back, that line might shoot up to seven. So I'm staying off that game completely. Uh, One game is, is a good enough start to the weekend. Take the Broncos plus the three. All right, uh, that's it for the day. Back tomorrow with a football Friday, some baseball as well. Kevin Sheehan Show podcast on a Thursday with Tom Lavero, who's headed to the World Series, and will call in from either New York or Houston on Tuesday to be with us, and then from one of those two cities on your, you know, before you come back on Thursday morning. So it'll be two phone Lavero appearances next week. Hopefully. Anything else from you? I got nothing else. All right, have a good day.